Hi, I'm Mackenzie Bagan, and this is 112BK, coming to you from downtown Brooklyn. On the show today, we'll talk about reproductive rights with Plan C, an organization helping women access information about abortion pills. We use the word empowerment a lot. Empowerment sort of implies that we're imbuing somebody without power with power. There's sort of a natural hierarchical structure that's implied there. And I actually feel that what Plan C does is it powers women, is it allows women to power themselves. And then the crew will talk about the straight pride parade. That's right, a procession of dudes with tribal tats wearing mesh gym shorts could be coming to a wide boulevard near you if you happen to live in Boston, which thankfully we do not. I think the straights have lost it. I think this is like the death rattle of the straights. Like they've completely become unhinged and there's no way to reel them back in. In the cut a couple weeks ago, Rebecca Traster wrote that those who have been trying to sound the alarm about abortion have been shooed off as silly hysterics. Well, the sky is falling, chickens. Missouri could lose its last clinic. Alabama has passed a near-total abortion ban and suggested sentences of up to 99 years for doctors who perform them. And Clarence Thomas is comparing abortion to eugenics. So yeah, I guess I am fucking hysterical. What do we do to protect abortion rights? Lots of things all at once. Protesting, voting, organizing, donating, and educating. Enter Plan C, a group that's working to make abortion pills and information about them accessible to women across the country. To tell us more, we're joined by Amy Merrill, Plan C's digital director. Thanks for coming to the Brick House today. Thanks for having us. And actor and advocate Jess Jacobs. Welcome to Woman 2 bk Thank you so much. Happy to be here. So, Amy, we know about Plan B, uh, also known as the morning <laughs> after pill. Mm-hmm. What is Plan C? Sure. So Plan C really started as a campaign to share information. It was started by two women who had been working for decades in the public health space and also to bring Plan B over the counter when it was first introduced. It was prescription only, which kind of defeated the purpose of a morning after pill. So that was their first fight, and they accomplished this, now available um, as, as widely as Amazon Prime. And from there, they started to look around the space and especially doing some international work, realized that in the end of the 1990s, this combination of drugs, um, mifepristone and misoprostol, had been recognized as safe and effective, actually incredibly safe and effective, to provide self-managed abortions. And then they came back to the States and realized, oh my goodness, you know, over the years, as this becomes more and more commonplace around the world, it was not so in the U.S. And so the campaign started four years ago in order to just start spreading information about what are abortion pills. Let's clear up any misinformation about the safety and efficacy and then start to look at um, what could be some new inroads, some new channels of access for people in the U.S. who desperately need all of the options available. So unlike Plan B, Plan C is not a pill. Plan C is a movement. It's a campaign to educate people about abortion options. That's right. Yeah, we really came up with the name because it was obviously from the idea that Plan A is birth control, Plan B is the morning after pill. And doesn't everyone need a Plan C when those two things fail or are not available? And how many years has the organization been around? It started in 2015 very grassroots, and we started our website in 2016 to share information and um, allow tools for advocacy. And since then, it has grown exponentially with our digital presence to the tune of um, anywhere from 30,000 to 50,000 hits on the website per month of people searching for information or wanting to know how to get involved. And Jess, I don't know how long you've been involved with Plan C, but back in 2015, what was the climate like? Were people sort of like, what's the need for this? 
Yeah, I think that the abortion conversation has been complicated for a long time. I'm trying to think back to 2015. There there wasn't really talk as far as the communities that I was involved with around access to the uh, to pill, the pill pack, the, the mesoprostol and mifepristone. Over the counter, it wasn't really something that was dialogued because people weren't concerned to the same degree that abortion was not going to be available by prescription by your doctor. As the climate has changed, uh, I think that we've seen a growing need for access to be deliverable right into a woman's hands rather than her having to go out, um, sometimes drive three, four, five hours, 24-hour waiting periods, these kinds of things that are just completely untenable and, and don't actually allow for the access that is technically legal, but if it's it's de facto not available, then our de jure situation doesn't really serve women terribly much. And I think this mm-hmm. sort of harkens back to the piece in the cut that I mentioned, yes. where for years now, abortion activists have been sounding alarm bells, being like, oh, you guys, uh, people are chipping away at our rights. And everyone's been like, hey, like nothing to be concerned mm-hmm. about. It's fine. We've got Roe v. Wade. And now all of a sudden, Plan C seems like a really important movement. Yeah. Um, so, Amy, I know that you are not a medical professional, right. but what can you tell us about this two pill pack that you mentioned? What is it? How do you use it? And is it safe? Sure. So it, as, as we mentioned, it's the combination of mifepristone and misoprostol. And the process is actually very simple. Um, on our Plan C website, we direct people to other nonprofit organizations who provide instructions on how one would do a self-managed abortion. But it's basically taking one pill, waiting 24 hours, taking the other four, and then checking your body's condition. And if the abortion was in fact complete, then the person is all set. And if uh, there are indications that it wasn't complete, they can take very, very safely take a few more of those final pills. And um, the stats are that it's 98% effective and extremely safe. The the comparable that we often talk about is uh, that technically it's more safe than Viagra. And that's something else that you that people are getting on the internet and very, very easily and uh, successfully all across this country. And yet it's talked about in a very different way than right. abortion pills. Absolutely. Right. And are these hormones? Like what is actually happening when you take this combo of pills? Sure. So this, you can speak to it as well. The simplest way of comparing it is that it, it's effectively a miscarriage. Yeah. It's a, it's a miscarriage induction, essentially. It loosens the walls of the uterine lining um, and, then, and then induces cramps to mm-hmm. pass the And is tissue. this type of medical abortion used in other countries? Extremely yes. frequently. It's endorsed by the WHO as a, as, a best pra- as a best-in-class solution, and it's to the tune of millions all around the world. And often, actually, internationally, it's used more often than surgical abortions mm-hmm. because surgery is not something that is widely available, especially in rural communities and developing mm-hmm. um, nations. And in countries where abortion is not legal, often women will use sort of underground um, ways of, of getting this medication. And our other statistics that we've read are that in Europe, it's 90 percent of all abortions are with abortion pills. So it's compared to here in the States, you realize, oh, it's there's so much that we have to recognize about stigma and access mm-hmm. and misinformation about the, the, the options available when someone chooses 
to have an abortion. Right. I'm reminded of the fight in the 90s, I believe, over RU486, where okay. this was widely available in the rest of the world. Uh, it was safe, and the FDA dragged its feet mm-hmm. uh, because they weren't sure that it was safe or the efficacy, and it was politically motivated, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we look at this it, it rings, again, those same alarm bells of political agenda against abortion. Exactly. And that's really the conversation that Plan C wants to push forward is to is to recognize that these decisions that the FDA made and have, have still kept in place, which are called REMS, Risk Evaluation and Mitigation Strategy. These are rules placed on how this drug is distributed and who can provide mainly clinics and abortion providers who are on an abortion provider list. And those are not based in any kind of medical statistics or science. Those were purely introduced as this was introduced to the states in the early 2000s as what we see as a political tool. So say I am a woman who wants to have an abortion and maybe I live in Missouri or I live in another state where the closest abortion clinic is across state lines. I can't take off work. For whatever reason, I cannot seek a safe surgical abortion. How do I order this two pill combo? So if you went to the Plan C website, which is is plancpills.org, you could see a report card of sites that we have done research on and have have tested for the speed that the pill packs are delivered, for the amount of information available. And right now at the very top of that list is aidaccess.org, which is a site that's backed by a doctor in the Netherlands. It's with telemedicine. It's with prescription. It's basically the the full-service support system. And the other thing that we also provide in the information on the Plan C website is to ensure that an individual, regardless of whatever state they're in throughout the U.S., can understand any legal risk associated Mm -hmm. with ordering online. And what are some of those legal risks, and does it vary state by state? It does vary state by state. Um, there's there's different levels of um, regulation in each state as, as people more and more are starting to realize because of news headlines. And the thing about all of those regulations is that the lawyers have told us that um, under the Constitution, our right to bodily autonomy is still protected. And so... Any of those laws would That's not That's crazy hold. that you just had to say that sentence, I know. by the way. <laughs> For now, our right just, to bodily yeah. autonomy just is still protected. everyone, the Constitution is still protecting our right to do what we wish to our own mm-hmm. bodies. And so if any of those cases were to go to court, um, lawyers tell us that those laws would not hold up in a court of law because of those constitutional rights. Right. And and what about cost? So say I'm ordering from a site in the Netherlands, in Ireland, in Canada, wherever. Mm-hmm. How much can I expect to pay? It varies, but we list that on the report card as well. And it's usually around a couple hundred dollars. In a clinic in the U.S., the average cost is closer to 600 yeah. Sometimes it's about privacy and wanting to actually have an abortion in the comfort of your own home um, and not to engage with uh, a doctor in real life. It's about not having to leave your kid and figure out who's going to take care of them while you drive to the clinic. It's it's about really getting to be able to um, offer the wide range of choices that women deserve to have when they're planning their 
birth control and, and health care needs. And just why did you decide to get involved in Plan C? Um, I know Amy is the digital direct- director for Plan C. Um, you're, you're an advocate. You're somebody who feels strongly about this issue. Why is that and why specifically yeah. uh, are you involved with Plan C? Sure. My drive to get involved came from a personal experience. Um, when I was 19, um, I found myself pregnant and in school here in New York. And uh, it was absolutely not the right time. And the decision for me was a very easy one, actually. And it was the process afterwards that felt slightly more complicated, mostly to do with the stigma. Mm. Um, I didn't share it with anybody, including my family. Um, I actually, that's a lie. I shared it with one person. It was the friend who had to pick me up from the clinic. Mm. Um, But that was about it. Um, She was the one who told all of my other friends that I was sick. Uh, I really was so ashamed. Um, And when I finally, a couple of years later, told my mom, she confided in me that she had also had an abortion, also when she was 19. And I realized that I was not alone, and I didn't have to go through the experience by myself. Mm. Um, it, it drove in me a real desire to make this conversation a more open one. And so uh, I started doing a lot of work in um, birth control access and sexual uh, education. So organizations like the UN Foundation and the Universal Access Project, Peer Health Exchange, some of those folks, and then also got connected to PSI and have been working on a project in Cote d'Ivoire in West Africa around access to um, contraceptive care. And had been looking for a way to get involved in the abortion conversation in a way that really felt organic and, and, and meaningful. And so when I was introduced to Plan C, to Amy, and to Francine, um, it seemed like such an obvious fit because of how much it was focused on autonomy. And kind of to the to the thing that I mentioned before, it wasn't saying in the event of an emergency, here's an here's a, a, a some healthcare that's available to you. It really was saying this is about putting power in women's hands. And I think you know we use the word empowerment a lot. Empowerment sort of implies that we're imbuing somebody without power with power. There's sort of a natural hierarchical structure that's implied there. And I actually feel that what Plan C does is it powers women. Hmm. is it allows women to power themselves. That's right. And just to to round it off, again, our goal is really to share all the information so that someone can make the most informed choice possible. And that does include understanding the landscape of abortion access and of any legal risk here in the U.S. And there's a really wonderful partner called If, When, How that is a group of lawyers that is solely dedicated to providing telephone consult to anyone in any state and ensuring that they have all their questions answered. So Plan C is really working to be the hub for all of that um, entire spectrum of information so that someone can make a safe, informed decision in this time of dramatic change here in the U.S. I know that we have already seen women going to jail for seeking abortions. Um, Have we seen any women be arrested or prosecuted for mail ordering pills? Yes. So there is a handful of cases that have happened over the last 20 years. And that's really our understanding is that that is really because they did not have proper legal support. And again, back to the point that if they had proper legal support uh, in their court case, then they would have been protected under the Constitution. And unfortunately, that was not the case. So those those there has been a handful of cases. And the statistics that we understand right now are that this is happening to the tune of tens of thousands of online orders in the state's this year, and that's an estimate because obviously this is something that is not very traceable right now. But um, again, we just want to help people understand the legal risk in the larger context of how empowering this is and also how strongly we believe that this should be available. 
in the States. Amy, Jess, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We're back today with the crew. I'm Mackenzie Fagan, host of 112BK. With me, we have... I'm Nayim Van. I am a production assistant for the show. I'm Shireen Barry, and I'm one of the producers of the show. I'm Mira Al-Rahim, and I'm the podcast editor for the show. So, guys, it pains me to say that today we must talk about straight pride parades. <laughs> so, for those of you who um, didn't see this, a, a gentleman named Mark Sahadi posted last Thursday on Facebook, it looks like the Boston straight pride parade will happen. We filed a discrimination complaint, and it appears the city of Boston understands they would lose in litigation. The city is now working with us on the parade. We will have the streets closed and be allowed floats and vehicles. This is our chance to have a patriotic parade in Boston as we celebrate straight pride. Uh, and obviously, Twitter went nuts. Did you say Sahadi? Floats. Is he yes. one of our Shireen? I mean, this is a little I know. disconcerting. I, I know. I, I, I read that <laughs> last night. Yeah. I was like, is it like, because, because Sahadi's is like a Brooklyn, for those of you. It's Sahadi with here. a Y? Yeah. I know. Like, I know. People oh. You guys can disavow him. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have but nothing like, to do with this. But his Sahadi. first name is Mark. Oh. Maybe he's Lebanese, Jesus. Lebanese. <laughs> He's we one of yours. Yeah, yeah, don't thank worry, you. Don't worry. Um, I just can't believe that we are still talking about straight pride parades. I remember being in like fourth grade, and this was the argument that people would make against gay pride parades. Like, well, we don't have a straight pride parade. And I was like, I can't, I can't believe that we are still having to have this conversation. I guess maybe I shouldn't be surprised. Were you surprised when you saw it, name? I'm more so surprised in how it's marketed. Like, even on their website, because it was hosted by this organization, and even on their website, they're like, finally, straight people will have a voice. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Like, after all these years of marginalization. Years of straight people, oh, they finally Finally, have they're going to have this historically marginalized demographic. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. They got movies that show their heterosexual love stories. Like, oh, it's... Right, like, it's just like... they. Marketing as if they've been oppressed in this disenfranchised group, but it's just like there's straight pride everywhere. There's straight pride in media. There's straight pride in history books. There's straight pride everywhere. It's the same thing with people being like, "Oh, why do we have Black History Month? There's no White History Month." It's like it's literally every day. It's so funny. All lives matter. That's almost like with you know Elisa Garza and the other founders of Black Lives Matter. Then people start to come with the All Lives Matter thing, Mm. and it's just like that's not that's like saying Black Power, Black Lives Matter. It doesn't mean that. Black Lives Matter only. Mm, it means yeah. Black Lives Matter especially because we're being oppressed and killed in an alarming rate. Right. I feel right. like it's a little Preach bit like name. saying Preach. ATM machine, right? It's just redundant. So like white history or straight pride. It's like that is the status quo. Wait, what do you mean ATM machine? What the hell is that meant to me? Because ATM machine, <laughs> the, the M in ATM is machine. So oh. saying, it's like saying chai tea. <laughs> Yeah, right. Chai is tea. I hate it when people say chai tea. <laughs> That's or like, too funny. Yeah, or like non-bread. No non is bread. The default. There is no straight pride parade because every day is a fucking straight pride parade. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So I came really late to this this particular news item because I think for like <laughs> the ten days that this is going on, I like thought this was a joke. Is it a <laughs> joke? Like, Do we think it is a joke? No, it happened. It definitely, it is. happened. Didn't it? Didn't but, it happen? No. I mean, there was a website that people set up mm-hmm. that a lot of people. It was something like fun. Something super, like, super, super, fun. super happy fun America. Fun Their America. website's still oh like on and running. 
and they have like, oh, it's happening in August. It's TBD at this point, but it's happening. I'm just like, I think the straights have lost it. I think this is like <laughs> the death rattle of the straights. Like they've completely become unhinged, and help. there's no way to reel them back in. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's in Boston as well. Yeah, like if I had to pick a place for straight pride parade, it would obviously be in Boston. I Boston. literally had to research like the people that were behind the Super Fun America. First, you have Hugo. The president who's like this, oh, I've worked in politics for a long time, you know, as an openly straight man. I'm like... As an openly, openly straight, straight man? Literally on How the brave. website. How <laughs> brave. Years of experience so working inspiring. in politics, living as an openly straight man. And then they have Sahadi, the vice president, who has been working in and talking about social issues in the Boston area, but now has turned his focus to the social issues that only exclusively affect straight people of every socioeconomic standpoint. I was just I like, wonder, do they have a gay like, ambassador? Did you? They have a gay ambassador? They have a gay ambassador. Who like, is this really? person? Yeah. <laughs> What this a traitor. Is, ooh, this is like, as you said, the black people in Laquisha. Like, exactly. whoa, what you doing, buddy? I wouldn't be surprised if the gay ambassador is just there to basically mess with them or troll them. I don't know. Or maybe them. they went to conversion therapy and like they were gay, but now they're not. Yeah, but yeah. it's and even on their website, it's just very sus because they even have this like cartoon of a woman with this MAGA headband that's basically like, oh, we're going to add the S to the end of LGBT. Yeah. QS, so the S is for straight. Are we the website, um, is the this website? Jimmy Kimmel? Like, are we getting <laughs> are we getting so punked funny. right now? I don't know. That's Who's why I was like, say? maybe like someone's trolling us. But the website does really seem like I refuse, legitimate. No, it seems like it's a joke because mm. if you look at the website and Mackenzie, feel free to pull up the website and read and read from it. What but is it Super Happy Fun America? Yeah, superhappyfunamerica.com. Yeah. Like, I feel like I, I went through that website and I was like, this has to be a joke. Like, mm. I know this is like weird times in America, but come on. They Wait. also have a mascot. Uh, the straight yes. community has adopted Brad Pitt yes. as our mascot. Yes. Congratulations, Mr. Pitt, for being the face of this important civil rights movement. I wonder if Brad Pitt has commented. No, Chris Evans. Um, yeah, I don't uh, know. know. Oh, here's, here's um, you can download these like um, it's logos. Great it's great to be straight. To be straight. Listen, I, I would go. I swear to God, if I, I was in go. Boston, I would what 100% would, If you were going to go, would you go in disguise as a straight person? And if so, what would you wear? <laughs> Listen, Mackenzie, I'm constantly getting misgendered as a dude so I don't even think I'd have to really go in much of a disguise like I just have to have my haircut and wear like my slacks that I usually wear and my shirt that I usually wear okay so if you're gonna like try to pass as a straight cis man like what is what is in your arsenal of of passing weapons oh that's like what are you gonna talk about um well I I know like what footwear I would go with like I'd get like some like Birkenstocks (laughs) Mm -hmm. um I think that sounds great crossover potential uh between the queer female community and the straight male community. Though. Definitely. Yeah. And like, listen, there's a lot of cross-cultural exchange between those two communities. Crokies, we're here to we celebrate them. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, so. packs of the um, I don't know, maybe a flannel, <laughs> but then again, that's kind of like a little bit gay. I don't know. So, so but, but definitely Birkenstocks, but what would I be saying? I'd probably be like, Brewski, maybe use the term brewski to like, just go up to straight men and yeah, be like, like brewski, brewski, because you know beer? a lot of those white men be having this beer. <laughs> Did you see the sports game yesterday? <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. Remember, it's Boston, so pull out a Boston sports team. Yeah, Red Sox. <laughs> All right, we're breaking uh, the I have, I have an adjacent topic, which is: um, Did you guys see the tweet about a woman tweeted out like, "Here are some rules for Gay Pride Parade," and you know, like, just some pointers to keep in mind. And the first four were like 
fairly legitimate. One was, you know, please be inclusive of women in your spaces. And the fifth one was keep your kinks at home. There are children present and kinks and fetishes are not part of gay pride. Keep mm. your damn children at home. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh I saw that. Nira it was really youth. incredulous. Did she yeah, really no. said that? Yes. I, and and people and people were backing her up. The one that made the least sense to me was that's right. People cannot consent to seeing your sex acts. Yeah. I repeat, well, you can't yeah. consent to seeing <laughs> fetishes. So remember that. I'm like, you have a very tenuous grasp on what consent so, means. Like, yeah. I could see homophobes being like, well, I didn't consent to seeing this gay pride parade. Mm-hmm. So it should be canceled. You know, these people just need to take a fucking step back and relax and take their like vanilla shit somewhere else. Because it's like, no, but you know, the premise of pride is that it is like, you know, it, it's deeply political and like you know people have fought to like and who's doing sex acts in public what the exactly. hell are people that's just like blowing people like in the middle of the parade like I really doubt that's happening and even if it was like I don't know turn away I you figure oh, yourself this out. person was saying there are minors present and we mm. want to make this we want to make pride a family friendly event and so you should not be showing up in fetish gear or you know mm. displaying your kinks at pride yeah. uh, because you know part of the larger fight is that Pride has nothing to do with kinks. Or, That's I guess. some whitewashing okay. bullshit. And honestly, and, and this is the problem with Pride. I have a huge, I mean, listen, I don't even really like Pride anyways. Yeah. Like, that tweet's like kind of symptomatic of like where Pride's gone in the last like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, this sure. overly corporate event, you know, with like Walmart floats and fucking like Coca Cola well, sponsorships. There's a group now called Reclaim Pride yeah. that aims to take, you know, that's raising awareness about how corporate Pride has become. Thank God especially, for that. Especially this year, as, as many of you know, it's World Pride. It's the 50th right. anniversary of Stonewall. And, you know, at this point, it's especially important to raise awareness about how far that pride has in some ways strayed from yeah. its origins. And so and this group, Reclaim deeply Pride. Deeply radical like, origins. Yeah. yeah. Deeply right. radical. Deeply right. like, and I think that It was always a march. It was never like a big... Now pride is like this huge, which is which is important, like the celebration aspect of it. But, but you know, I feel it like... It was militant. There was a militant aspect. But you don't like, feel like it's a march anymore. You feel yeah. like it's like this big festival in a way. And I feel like... Which is fine because I think there is yeah. like certain... That's um, true. Protest, like there's, there can be a protest element to joy, for example. Like people yeah. can dance in protest. Absolutely, and that's, yeah. I think that's cool. But, but it just seems like you know, in the con, like when we're thinking about like this tweet, it's just like, what the hell? Like this yeah. is just like really just the pits at this point, right? You know? And Absolutely. I agree that you know, look, I want people to be able to bring their kids to Pride if they want. I want it to be, uh, you know, I don't want it to be pride just for like a select group of people, mm-hmm. right? However, when you say that sex has nothing to do with pride, you're just ignoring the history of the fact that actually gay people have been policed for millennia because Absolutely. of who they have sex with. Oh my with. gosh, right. yes. Yeah. So now we have to police ourselves right. to like appease this like random tweet person. Like, no. But it was amazing actually the number of people who like jumped on board and was like, this Slept is absolutely correct. Like, we should, oh. we should, no, I mean, bo- on both sides, but a lot of people were like, no, we should be making pride as inclusive as possible yeah. and we should be whitewashing it if we need to in order to make sure that people feel welcome and not everybody wants to see, you know, men in jocks or leather, like, riding on a float. And so if that means that, like, we need to turn down the sex and have, like, a separate kink event, let's do that in order to make Pride a Big Ten event. I mean, I'm guessing that the the people that you mentioned are based in New York City, and they were specifically talking about New York City Pride, Mm -hmm. right? So there's, like, five boroughs of New York City. There's, like, 
pride in each borough. So, you know, there are like the different prides and, you know, a lot of the pri- like the pride in Brooklyn is, is very family friendly. But I like even saying that I feel weird about it. Like, what does family friendly even mean? You know, mm. I just like I don't know, like going mm. back to what you said about like making pride inclusive. I just like want to see. I guess like I have a hard time wrapping my head around like what, what that would look like. Yeah. I was yeah. just going to say pride's job is not to make everybody comfortable right yeah right pride is not for everybody absolutely that's why i'm so surprised about this like straight pride thing it's just like the (laughs) gay pride parade has always been inclusive there are so many allies that come and support so it's just like what is the point of having this distinction we're being trolled you guys but maybe it's like kind of like okay maybe 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 the straight (coughs) pride thing like you know all jokes aside like maybe it really brings up an important point about like where pride how, how sort of diluted it's become in the last like couple of years and and now we have straight pride and maybe it's just like all one big joke like not to be overly cynical about it but maybe it's just like a really good indication that like we have to like kind of rethink our priorities well, as that's, people who want to have a pride event like what do we want this pride event to look like that's like, what reclaim pride is saying I you know yeah. coming from because it's like even just their mission statement there's nothing in there it's about like harming people mm. they're just you know basking in their straightness it's not really that cute at all yeah but i don't like kind of the roots of the people that are fronting this because it just seems like their own hidden agenda in a way. And then for them to just market it as this, finally we have a space to be free. It's just like you never have to worry about expressing PDA in public. You never have to worry about not being able to get married. You don't have anything to worry about not adopting children. There's so many things. About violence. Right. There's so many things that you don't even experience. And Mm -hmm. then you have these white men that are the apex of privilege that are trying to make this thing a thing when it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be because it shouldn't have to be celebrated. Agreed. All right, well, we got to wrap chat. it up. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank you. Until next time. As always. And that's the show for today. If you liked what you heard, the best way to show it is to systematically dismantle the patriarchy. Also, please review Woman 2BK on iTunes and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Woman 2BK is hosted by me, Mackenzie Fagan. It is series produced by Ross Tuttle, also produced by Fred Brown, Shereen Bargi, Isabel Alcantara, Naeem Van, and Emily Bogosian. It is recorded in studio by Clinton Filson Jr., Eric Hogseg, and Antonio M. Rosario. It is post-produced by Alexander Pointzolo, edited by Mira Al-Rahim, and executive produced by Jonathan Leaf, Sasha Mathias, and Aziz Aisham. 